Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, we want to say welcome to everyone, to everyone in Cambridge, to everyone who's watching us online. And particularly, we want to say welcome to Barry St. Edmunds this morning. We should blow him kisses. We love you. We appreciate you. We're glad you're with us. We're in our third week of a series called Supernatural. It's about the Holy Spirit and you. And because the people who've gone before me in the first two weeks didn't quite cover the material that I'd asked them to cover, um, because they sense the Holy Spirit leading them somewhere else, so that's okay, I'll, I'll live with that. I've got to do a little bit of a catch-up, so I'm not just going to address the subject that I'm meant to address, but I want to just do a couple of things by way of what we should have addressed, or what I asked them to. And so I want to start with this about the Holy Spirit. Let's always remember this. The Holy Spirit is God. Hello? He's not God ethereal. He's not God less than. He's not God weird. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's God. And throughout the New Testament, particularly, where the word Spirit and God are used, they're often used interchangeably. So if you've got your notes that are on the U version, we'd love you all to turn to that and be looking at that as we go through. You'll see I've put this scripture down there, 2 Corinthians 3.17. says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, or the Lord is Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Spirit is Lord. In Acts chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at a lot of Acts today because it's a great book to show us about the Holy Spirit when Ananias and Sapphira had sold some land, a couple in the church, they actually brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, but it wasn't the whole amount. And they lied about it. They said, oh, look how good we are. We're bringing the whole amount from the land that we sell, but it wasn't the whole amount. It was just part of it. And this is what it says, Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Peter said to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. And at the end of that verse it says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So the Holy Spirit is no lesser a being, he is God. In fact, I'd encourage you this. In fact, we should have a, like you have a swear box in some places, we should have a Holy Spirit fine box. If you call the Holy Spirit an it, it's rude. Don't call him an it, because he's a him. And if I find you calling a hit, him and it, we'll have a fine. Should we do that? You don't sound very keen. Because he's God, he's God eternal. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. That's the Holy Spirit. Now you say, why is this important? Well, when we talk this morning later about baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is what we're saying. The Holy Spirit, who's God, comes and lives within us. So the divine, I'm preaching better than you're responding, the divine, the divine comes and lives within us. Hip, hip. Berry, hip, hip. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, a real 
God, a person comes and lives within us. When I was a kid, I used to sing a song at Sunday school, which went like this. There is a flag flying high from the castle of my heart. Anyone remember this? From the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, there is a flag flying high from the castle of my heart. This is the line, for the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know. Come on, Barry, let the whole world know. So let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. So on the next... It's on the next album. So, <laughs> the King of Kings comes and dwells within us. Number one, he's God. Number two, he's an advocate. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us and represents us to God. The word in Greek, some of you will know it, is paraclete. He comes alongside us. He's with us. He's cheering us on. He's representing us to the Father. In fact, it says even this of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is the one, Hebrews 9 verse 14, the Spirit himself, that Jesus himself, was offered himself unblemished to God through the Spirit. In John chapter 3 verse 5, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... And the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's John 3, 5. That's saying you've got, you, you've got to be born naturally. So when the waters break, you've got to be born naturally. But to be one who is of God, you have to be born supernaturally. You have to be born of the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't make us divine. He's divine. But he does bring that which is dead alive. So if you were spiritually dead, because of the Spirit in your life, you become alive. And He's with you. The other words that are used for paraclete are comforter. He's the one who comes alongside. He's the counsellor. He's with us at all times. I believe that the Holy Spirit is a cure-all in all kinds of areas. If you're struggling to live a victorious Christian life, yes, you can. You do not have to be caught up with that besetting sin, to use the old language, because the Holy Spirit, there's a clue in his name, holy. You can live a holy life. Yes, you can. You can live above sin because, no, I'm not saying this side of Jesus returning, we don't preach uh, uh, sinless perfection, but we can live a victorious life. You can know the will of God because you have the Holy Spirit, the advocate inside of you. Yes, you can. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live a a less than par Christian life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit in you can cause you to live a life that's full. John 10. I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. You can't live that without the advocate, the Holy Spirit with you. Number three, the Spirit is a person. He's God. He's an advocate. He's a person. He has a personality. He's not an indistinct power or thing. This is important because throughout generations there have been heretical thoughts around this subject that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a personhood. So in the early centuries, the church had to fight against a doctrine or a a heresy called Arianism, which denied the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Still around today. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The same errors are there 
in our 21st century. But he's a person. He's not an it. Now, of course, the old King James Version, which I grew up on, and when I quote verses, I quote verses from the old authorized version. It was good enough for the Apostle Paul, as he said. It was good enough for my parents and me. But that's not true. That was a joke. Those who didn't get it went over your head. And we used to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. That really didn't help anyone. <laughs> Calling the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. Because we also kind of think of Ghostbusters, uh, and it just gets weird, doesn't it? Well, he's not weird. Why do we have to think as the Holy Spirit? He's a person. And God isn't weird. God is normal. That's the norm. God doesn't have a supernatural because he's naturally super. I just thought of that. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> the Bible reveals the Holy Spirit is not an it, not a ghost, but a person. A personality. Packed, full of intelligence and will and individuality. And this is really important because, because he's a person. You can get to know him. You can understand what he's like. If he wasn't a person, he was just abstract, you couldn't get to know him. But he's a person. He's the one who inspired the Holy Scriptures. So guess how you're going to get to know some of the Scriptures? Through the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are. The Holy Spirit is the inspiration behind every word. He illuminates the word for our understanding. He's the one who uses the word. This is supernatural. We don't understand this Bible. It's on my phone here in case you wonder why I'm putting my phone. We don't understand this Bible because of our intellect. Though we should apply our intellect to it, we know this Bible and understand the ways of God through revelation, through the mind being illuminated. I was blind, but now I see. Supernatural. It's supernatural. And so the Holy Spirit helps us. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. This is what it says, Ephesians 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? He's a person. I'll tell you how we can grieve him is if we have disagreements with one another, if we gossip about one another, if we say wrong things about each other, we will hurt the Holy Spirit. Why are you talking like that about a fellow brother or sister? And the Holy Spirit is grieved. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So, how can we develop a relationship with him. Because that's what we want to do. He's God. He's an advocate. He's a person. How can we develop this relationship with him? Well, here's what I want to speak about today, because that was my introduction to bring us up to speed. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is the very first step. It's not a final step. It's the first step. It's the first step to living a victorious, spirit-filled life. Now, you and I may have many more infillings after the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we leak. Throughout life, we leak. So we need many, many infillings. But the Bible, we believe, teaches that there is this crisis-defining experience where we can be baptized. The word baptized simply means to dip. So when it talks about John the Baptist, a correct way to say it might be John the Dipper. That's, that's what he did. He was a dipper. It's like you take a garment, and it's a white garment, and you put it in a purple dye, and it comes out completely all the way through, permeated with the dye. 
the Holy Spirit wants to immerse us, dip us in his very presence. The Bible uses this verse I'm going to just read to you, which is not, it's not about the Holy Spirit. In fact, we use this verse in weddings. I love weddings and I love this moment when we say this verse. I believe weddings and, and marriage, when you say your vows, it's not simply a legal contract. Something supernatural happens when you say words of covenant. So it's more than simply a legal contract. But I love it when we say these words at the end of the service over them. That which God has joined, let no man pull asunder. Old authorised version. That which God has joined, let no man separate. Remember what we say in this church? We know God doesn't hate divorcees. But he does hate divorce because what's been joined is pulled apart and it hurts. So we love divorcees, as does God. But he hates divorce because he has joined them through their covenantal words. He's glued them together and they should not be separated. That which God has joined, this is Mark 10, verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, why am I using that in this context? Because my dear, beautiful brothers and sisters online, Berries and Dedmans, here in Cambridge, there's something God has joined together that should not be separated. There is an, in, an initiation that's needed to bring you into salvation that the elements of which should not be separated out. They belong together. What God has joined, let no man separate. There is a way of salvation. There is a way where we appropriate the finished and complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a God-ordained way to get saved. There's a God-ordained way to become a Christian. There's a God-ordained way to enter the kingdom of heaven. Use whatever phrase you, you want. The only one that isn't biblical is that there's a God-ordained way to become a Christian. You can't find that in the Bible. But we do believe it, don't we? Uh-oh. That wasn't a trick question. There is a God-ordained way to become. There is a biblical normative way. There's a book that I meant to bring with me this morning to show you I read many years ago. I don't agree with this man on everything, but this book is, I think, his masterpiece. It's called The Normal Christian Birth by David Pawson. And it's a great book. If you, it's probably still not available, but you can probably get it on Amazon. Normal Christian Birth. And in that, he just talks about this. There is a way of initiation for salvation that God has ordained as normal. Now, I just want to tell you this before I explain exactly what it is. I was born abnormally. I don't mean naturally, though apparently I was when I was born in 179 Home Farm Road in the Woodchurch Estate. They had to, I was born blue, which I think means I was in shock. My parents turned blue when they looked at me as well. Uh, but I was in shock. So they put me in front, this is how high tech it was in 1962. They put me in front of an electric fire, they tell me with little bars on it, and that healed me, praise the Lord. So, um, if you don't know what else to do, hot water, towels, and electric fire. I was born spiritually abnormally. That's the natural I just spoke about, but no one told me when I got, became a Christian that there was baptism in the Holy Spirit. I love my roots. I'm glad I grew up in a brethren church, those of you know that. I'm glad for that. 
taught me so much. But when I started to ask them in my teenage years about baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is what they said to me. They said, ah, that happens as soon as you come to faith and repentance. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're baptized in the Spirit. You don't need anything else. They actually went one step further. And I'm grateful for them, but they then went one step further and told me, and all that tongue stuff that's happening, people speaking in languages they don't know, that's of the devil. So keep away from it. I was told that as a child. Keep away from that. Or as a teenager, it's of the devil. But I saw something in people that told me they were baptized in the Holy Spirit that was totally different. The problem was they were my brother and my sister. So my brother who'd gone through a really messy divorce, really messy divorce, and two young children at home, lived riddled with guilt, if I may say. He came and told us about a man he'd met in a van in Breck Road in Liverpool. And this man in Breck Road in Liverpool told him, had he ever been baptized? asked him, had he ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? My brother said, no, don't know what that is, never heard about it. And this man led my brother back to the Lord and then prayed for him to be baptized in the Spirit. And my brother, this is his words, he got born again again. Theologically impossible, but he was a new creation after already having been a new creation before. He was changed. He came home crying every time he talked about salvation and forgiveness. Weeping in front of us. My brother had weird tears. We all cry in our family. It's all right to cry. But his tears came out vertical. So he's like one of those poppies, you know, that you have, you have a bit of water. He'd say, just lean in, smell my flower, and then you'd spray it. My, I remember my brother when he got born again again. Maybe it was a spiritual gift, I don't know. His tears would, would come out. And he wanted to tell everyone. He went back to his wife and said to her, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my children. I need to come back home. His wife said, no, I don't want you coming back home because your God told me to come back home. And she rejected him and he ended up marrying someone else who was a Christian. And she got born again again. In a, well, she got born again, actually. She didn't have a Christian background in, in a van in Breck Road in Liverpool. There's a, there's a key here. We've all got to go to a, a van in Breck Road in Liverpool. <laughs> then my sister, she emigrated to New Zealand. She lived in New Zealand for a number of years and her fiancé died. She tragically found him dead one morning in a house that they were doing up together. It totally fried her brain. She went into a deep depression. Her fiancé had been a painter, an artist, and he painted one of the most beautiful but saddest pictures you've ever seen of a Maori queen in mourning. In black and tattoos on the face. It was a big picture probably about a meter wide and longer. She brought that, she came home. We heard that she, in her depression, she was a manager of a, um, an adult training center. And when she was in this training center, when, when she found her husband, all we heard was that she kept banging her head against the wall, banging her head against the wall till it bled because she was in such pain and agony. She'd had tragic situations in relationships and this was the final one. She came home depressed put this picture of the Maori queen up in her room. Every time you walked in, you felt a spirit of oppression. She's still only in her late 20s at this stage of life. 
She never went back to New Zealand. She sent my mum back to visit an uncle on her ticket. She changed it. My mum went back for, uh, went there for, uh, I think it was six weeks in order to visit family. The only time she did that. My brother had been born again again. Kept telling us he'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We all need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. My church is telling me it's of the devil. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues of the devil. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit when you were born again. Oh, okay, okay, pastor. And so I watched my sister in her depression. My brother telling her she needs to come to this church, which was off Breck Road in Liverpool. Not in the van. They moved out the van by this time. Things, things are really moving. They were in a WRVS hut in Liverpool. And she went. And with one touch from the king, one encounter, she was changed. My sister's like me. She's an introvert. Well, this is what they told me. You don't believe me, but it's nearer the truth than you know. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. She recommitted her life to Jesus. And she had this, best word I can describe it, is an ejaculation of praise in tongues. She never learned. See, tongues is what you don't learn. It's a gift from God. And the depression lifted off her, guys. She came home and that picture that was a picture of spirit of oppression, I believe there was a demon attached to that picture. It went... I don't know where that picture is today. She got rid of it and she was a new creation. And she just kept going on. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, shabba dabba dabba. That was her speaking in tongues. And I said, Pam, it's of the devil. Stop it. She said, look, Steve, I was blind, but now I see. And I couldn't deny it. I could not deny it. So I went to this church in WRVS or in Breck Road. I hired a bus for afterwards. And they told me about baptism in the Spirit and nothing happened. They prayed for me. Speaking tongues like your sister, nothing happened. Somehow I believed it was real and for today. So I went home and I just asked God, fill me, Lord. No one was with me. And I had two words in tongues. It wasn't shabba-dabba. Someone said to me, just like a spiritual language, it's heavenly. You don't, you don't have to learn it, just, just use those words. They're a sign from God to you, you've been filled with the Spirit. And all I can say is, it did change my life. It wasn't so much then in the speaking in tongues and all of that. My witness came alive. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. My life was on a certain trajectory and I know some of the things that were trying to attack me, I believe changed as a consequence of baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying I've never had battles with those things ever since by way of depression or mental health issues because I have, I have to fight it a lot still and I'm not afraid to say that, I just fight it. But this is the point, I'm winning Hello? I'm winning. When we were on our sabbatical, one of the things we did was we did this Life Thrive thing with Jeff Lucas. And as we went through it, 
it, we, we started looking at all the battles I'd gone through in life, and I just realized I'm victorious. Battles were made for fighting. And I believe the Holy Spirit is what helped me. One more of the points. Who helped me? This is what it says in Acts chapter 2. So this is when Jesus has said to the disciples, wait in the upper room, wait for the gift of the Spirit. Those of you that know this story, they had to wait. And then the day came, the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit was poured out, and it says, tongues of fire, or no, more specifically, what looked like tongues of fire. It's someone trying to describe what they're seeing. They probably weren't literal tongues. It's just, how do you find words to explain what you can see? Tongues of fire were above their head. This is my tongue of fire. And as the tongue of fire is there, they spoke in a language they never learned and they spilled out onto the street and the, and the languages they were speaking were the languages of the people that were in Jerusalem at that time. And it doesn't say they were speaking a message to them in tongues, if you read the passage carefully. This is what it says. It says they were declaring the wonderful works of God. Can I just say this to you? Without the Holy Spirit, you will never worship in spirit and in truth. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And so they, they got onto the street. They're the, the shouting out the praises of God. And people ask two questions. The cynics asked, what does this mean? Because they thought they were drunk. And they explained what this meant. This was the promise that was made by Joel in the Old Testament. This is the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit. This is that which was spoken of. Then the next question wasn't what does it mean, but what shall we do? Because theology is good and wonderful, but it should always result in practice. What should we do? And this is what, this is what Peter says to them. With the eleven. Just, I just want to emphasize that. I, I never want to say, when I'm up here speaking, I'm not alone. There's all of you, but there's at least the leadership team that are with me. And there's at least the preaching team that are with me. And there's some of you that are with me. It's me with you saying this. Peter with the 11. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, and it is speaking about the promise of the Spirit, is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's what some have described as the Peter package. This is the way of salvation. This is the normal way of initiation into salvation. Number one, repent. Do you know what that means? Change your mind. Change your direction. Now, it says repent of your sins. So they had specific sins in order to repent of. Let's never just lower sin to some little misdemeanors that have offended others. They're gross, they're ugly, and God hates them, and that's what separates us. So there needs to be an answer to our sin. But repentance is good news. Because repentance means we turn away from towards. We turn from our sins to Jesus. Hip, hip. We find power over sin as we turn. Sometimes... We need to, when we lead people to the Lord, we don't do this on a Sunday, but when you're talking with someone personally or privately, sometimes you just need to go through all the things that are offending their conscience and confess them. 
because you really can set them free. I was reading a young man to the Lord once, and, and he'd had quite a life, sinful life. And I said, I want you to name everything that you've asked to ask God to forgive you. So we were there a while. He went through all the things that he'd done. And then he got to this one. He said, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me for murder. And that shut me to the core on two fronts. One is if someone confesses a murder, I just want you to know this. If you come up afterwards and you confess it, we are duty bound to take you to the police. All right, we, we, we got to. So I thought, uh-oh, I've got to have to do something with this. But the second thought was, can God forgive him for murder? So I stopped him and I said, I just want you to know, if you go any further in the specific uh, confession of your sin in relation to murder, I'm going to have to take you to the authorities. So I, I want you to know that. And he looked at me a bit weird. And then I said, also, I just want to know, you to know God can forgive you for murder. I wanted him to know he could be forgiven. So to carry on. So he bowed his head. And he's, I said, be specific. He said, Lord, I want you to forgive me for murder because I've stood on ants. I've killed spiders. I had a frog once, which I had a magnifying glass on, and I fried it. And he went through all these specific sins of animals or insects that he'd killed. And I'm going, glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, he can forgive you. That frog, yes, you're forgiven for the frog. But if it had been a person, could God have forgiven him? Yes. Repent. Believe. It doesn't mention belief in this passage of the Peter package. It just mentions baptism. But there is nowhere else that you can look in the New Testament where baptism in water and salvation are not involved one and the same together. Mark 16, verse 16. Believe and be baptized. So the implication as soon as you talk about baptism is there's faith there. Because we won't baptize someone who hasn't got faith. And the New Testament norm, my brothers and sisters, was if you were a believer, you got baptized. And if you weren't baptized and were unwilling to be baptized, the question was, are you really a believer? Hello? Now I want to look every single one of you in the eye. Are you baptized in water? Are you? Because if you're not, I'm not sure you're a believer. My notes say pause for effect. <laughs> Are you baptized? We spent a lot of money on this baptism under here. That's not a reason for you to get baptized, but for a reason because we believe in baptism. It's part of the normal initiation. Believe and be baptized. And then there's this. This is where we're coming to. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you repent, if you believe, if you get baptized, you are eligible for a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? If you're born again, if you've repented, you believed, you say, well, I haven't been baptized yet. Well, you're okay because the order sometimes in the scripture is reversed, at least one occasion, or it was reversed. You can even be baptized in the Spirit today, but I'd say get baptized in water as quickly as you can. Now you say, oh, it's a gift. Yeah, but every gift has to be taken. It was my birthday this week. And my wife and I went out shopping in London when we were visiting our daughter and we bought a present. Any idea what it might have been? <laughs> Hint. We bought it together. I chose it. After that, she paid for it. After that, I never saw it again. I knew where it was. 
because she always hides the presents in the same place. I knew, where the, I knew where it was, but I had to wait 23 days, whatever it was, whenever we were there. I knew where it was. And then on my birthday, I get this package, it's wrapped up. Oh, I wonder what it is. You've got to act surprised, haven't you? Do I know what it is? And I opened it. Oh, what a lovely jacket. Oh, and a t-shirt as well that goes with it. I, I, I chose that as well. I'd much rather do that these days than some of the other presents I've had over the years. But anyway... Oh, Lord. I still had to receive the gift. It was mine. It was bought for me. It was purchased for me. Jesus has purchased your salvation so that you can repent, believe, get baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. But He is still a gift that you need to take. Will you take the gift? Now, here's the question. Have you received the Holy Spirit? If you're sitting there and you're saying this, I don't know. Hear me. You do. Because your answer has just told me that you know. Because there's no one in the Bible that receives the Holy Spirit without knowing they know so if you don't know you've just answered the question everyone who received the Holy Spirit in the New Testament knew oh and there was always signs that went with them receiving read the book of Acts because that's basically what I've got down here read Acts chapter 8 the Samaritans when they arrived they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit just hear that they were believers they hadn't received the Spirit. It's a definable, different experience that separates you from repentance, faith, and baptism. Have you received the Holy Spirit? He says to them, this is Acts chapter 19. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church. They answered, no. We've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. They even hadn't been baptized in water properly because they'd only been baptized in John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance, whereas Jesus' baptism is a baptism of faith and life. So they got baptized again in water, or again, for the first time really, the other one didn't count, unless it's in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they hadn't received the Spirit. And this is what it says, He laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them. I'm reading straight from the Bible. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I could take you to every incident, every occasion in the New Testament or the book of Acts, because it's the only one really we've got on baptism of the Spirit, and show you that every time they received, they knew they'd received. Why? Because there was a sign that went with it. The most common one is speaking in tongues. Don't get caught up on speaking in tongues. It's a gift from God. But it also says, and they prophesied. And it also says somewhere else, they spoke in tongues, because that one's always mentioned, and they praised God. So there's an and there. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues by praising God or praising God by speaking in tongues. There was something different. So I'm never prepared to just say, the sign is speaking in tongues, but I think it's the main one. But there could be other signs, and some of the other signs always involve this. 
tongue. Because who can control the tongue? Can you? I wish I hadn't said that about my wife's presence. I wish I'd have controlled my tongue. Anyone yet mastered the tongue? Oh, but there's someone that can. The Holy Spirit. And he wants to come on you and in you and fill you so that you know. And this is what will happen. I honestly, I'm just going to make faith statements without going through this. I don't think the main purpose of you being filled with the Holy Spirit is to, is to speak in tongues. That's way too small a reason. The main reason for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit is this, Acts 1 verse 8. Can I shout it out? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. here because the people of God, the disciples were baptised in the Holy Spirit. We're the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the main reason. And I honestly think that your witness, your worship, you can't worship without the Holy Spirit. Your warfare in battling, your living of a righteous life above the sins that beset you, your prayer life, the revelation of the Scriptures, guidance by the will of God. These are all effects of the Holy Spirit filling us and your love for everyone. Look at this, Romans 5 verse 5. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can't love properly without the Holy Spirit. I couldn't love you without the Holy Spirit. He's filled my heart so that I feel a love for you. I'm going to hand over now to the location pastors online in Berry, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.